Hi, this is Jeffrey Smith, and I wanted to give you my take on a couple of stories in the news. The first is about research conducted in Mexico. Now, in Mexico, they are the reservoir of cotton's genetic diversity. In other words, they've had cotton plants growing back for 2 million between 2 million and 1.5 million years ago in Mexico. A tremendous diversity of cotton, but around 25 years ago, that genetically engineered cotton started being planted in the north and parts of the country. And a research team looked at cotton plants native to the Yucatan Peninsula, and they were about 2,000 kilometers away from the genetically engineered cotton, or about 1,242 miles. That's 2,000 kilometers, so nearly that. And they checked 61 plants. 24 of the plants did not have contamination from the transgenic plants. In other words, most of them actually had been cross-pollinated with genetically engineered genes from the GM crops that could have been 2,000 kilometers away. Now, this, of course, is a tragedy on its own. But when you look at what the transgenes did to the crops, to the wild cotton, it's not only surprising to scientists, it's unprecedented, but it de demonstrates how utterly tragic it is what we don't know about GMOs and their impact in ecosystems. So 21 of the wild, so-called wild cotton plants were Roundup-ready, meaning they had genes that had come from Roundup-ready cotton. Seven were BT cotton crops. In other words, they got genes from crops that produce their own insecticide that kills certain insects. And nine of the wild plants were both Roundup-ready and BT toxic. So that's 37 plants, 21 with glyphosate only, 7 with BT toxin, 9 with both. Now, when they tested the plants, they put some stress-inducing chemical on it, the plants that were Roundup-ready, resistant to death by glyphosate, produced a lot less nectar. Now, nectar is a sugary snack. And usually, when the plant is being bitten, it'll secrete this sugary snack for certain ants to come, and a particularly aggressive ant species, and the ants protect the cotton from additional problems. So it's like a negotiated trade. The ants get the, the nectar, the crop gets to survive. When it survives, it can produce more nectar for the ants. Now, with the Roundup-ready wild plants, there was very little sugary snack for the ants, and so there was no ants to protect the cotton from the hungry herbivores, and these plants suffered the most damage. 
Now, the plants that were the BT crops engineered to produce its own toxic insecticide, they were exuding nectar all the time. Remember, typically, the plants exude nectar when they're being bitten or there's a problem. So we don't know exactly why the BT toxic the BT toxin incorporated wild cotton plants were producing the nectar all the time. Maybe they were in a state of stress. But when that happened, then there were, the ants came in large numbers. So when they came in large numbers, they would, would have, it may have interfered with pollination from other insects coming because they wouldn't come if there was always ants there. And this may explain why there was less of the BT wild cotton because it may be that it wasn't surviving well. It wasn't reproducing well because it wasn't getting the pollinators to come because it was putting out so much of the sugary snack for the ants that the ants were there all the time eating it. And these again were very aggressive ants. Now Norman Elstrand, who's an evolutionary biologist, at UC Riverside said, quote, it's the first case that really suggests that a whole ecosystem can be disrupted, end quote. That's when a transgene, after a trans transgene enters a wild population, an entire ecosystem can be disrupted. And this is planting GMO cotton in northern Mexico disrupts an entire ecosystem nearly 2,000 kilometers away. And as Alicia Mastretta Yanez said, that uh, the unexpected outcomes, quote, were never imagined or at least were not assumed as possible. No one pays attention to these things. In fact, there's very few studies that test the unanticipated consequences in natural ecosystems. Some will do it in very controlled environments, but very few, if any, look at gene transfers in natural ecosystems. So this is an example of some of the unpredictability from genetic engineering. Perhaps when we're not even focusing on all the things that could go wrong in the process of genetic engineering itself. Now, that's a big issue because the process of inserting a gene or silencing a gene or cutting out a gene, whether it's through traditional genetic engineering or the CRISPR gene editing, creates massive collateral damage. So the second report that I wanted to share is about a CRISPR gene edited tomato in Japan. In January, Japan granted approval for the first CRISPR tomatoes to be used in food production. Now, this by itself is a tragedy, a disaster. I don't know if the U.S. imports any tomatoes from Japan, so I don't know if we are purposely, are, are, are at risk here. I would imagine it would be unlikely to, to import whole tomatoes, but maybe some tomato in crops or in, in products. But this tomato is engineered to produce a much higher concentration of a plant compound called GABA. If I could think of a stupidity of engineering 
tomatoes. This would be an example of one because GABA actually affects our physiology. It can cause lowered blood pressure. It can diminish the transmission of specific signals in the central nervous system. The subtitle of this report by Test Biotech was Point Mutations Turning Food into a Sedative. So if you happen to be not wanting to be sedated by GABA, you wouldn't take GABA, but you might accidentally eat a tomato that's producing GABA. Now, GABA actually does a lot of things for a plant, and it's possible that it can affect many aspects of the plant. Concentration of GABA is, is enhanced in plants that are attacked by pest organisms. We just heard about the cotton, where the secretion of a sugary snack for ants was enhanced when it's attacked by pests. Now we have GABA that's being produced at a higher concentration in these tomatoes, and that's just one of the things we know about GABA in tomatoes. It has a multifunctional role. So it's possible that the changes in the plant can cause unintended health effects of those of us who eat it at different times, and that the plants can show unexpected reactions to environmental stress, which can again have an impact on food safety. Now let's combine the two stories. The company in Japan is giving away seeds for this sedative tomato to people in Japan so they can plant it. So they're going to lose track immediately of where the seeds go, of where it's planted, of where the planted seeds go. I remember in the United States, there was a laboratory that was giving away seeds of non-genetically engineered tomatoes for a long time until it was accidentally discovered that they were genetically engineered tomato seeds. So co contamination can happen by wind, it can happen by human error, by transportation, it can happen on purpose. So these seeds in Japan may find themselves planted in the United States. Whether it's legal or not to take seeds from Japan, it's not necessarily going to stop it from happening. And what's to say the result will be when it pollinates tomatoes that are either used for production or the wild relatives. We saw that the cotton pollinated wild relatives over 1,200 miles away, changing the ecosystem, disrupting the ecosystem. What happens if natural tomatoes start producing GABA? What happens if that trait becomes placed in a lot of different tomatoes? in tomato products, concentrated in tomato sauce. We may have changes in our central nervous system, our blood pressure, amongst others, from this, and never know that it was the tomato that caused it. For some, it may be life-threatening. We don't know. This is the insanity we're facing, where the rooters, the promoters of CRISPR tomatoes in Japan pay no attention to the kind of 
ecosystem disruption that happens in Mexico. Pay no attention to the misdistribution of seeds in the United States. Pay no attention to the decades of side effects from genetic engineering and the years of side effects recorded from CRISPR and other methods of gene editing. Hundreds or thousands of mutations up and down the DNA, not to mention the mutations that can occur when you're taking a genetically engineered tomato cell and using tissue culture to clone it into a full plant, you get hundreds or thousands of additional mutations. And you're feeding it to people without even telling them that it's genetically engineered and it might change their blood pressure. So I just wanted to share this, that these are examples of why we need to support the Protect Nature Now campaign because we want to protect against ecosystem collapse, against permanent corruption and replacement of the gene pool. And we need to lock down GMOs and gene-edited products, particularly among the microbiome kingdoms, immediately. So that's my take for this week's news. Is there any reason to think that GMOs are having a detrimental impact on children's health? I was reading the final arguments of the third Monsanto trial, where Monsanto, now Bayer, got um, nailed for causing cancer for the plaintiffs. And my name came up because it was a memo that was picked up by this, the discovery. And I had just written an article about why children are most at risk from the potential dangers of GMOs. And these Monsanto executives were sicking a pseudoscientist on me because his, they had paid him a lot of money to come after me. And so they're saying, oh, Jeffrey's at it again. And they called the whole thing whack-a-mole. Like as soon as I came up with something, they would try and whack me down. And other Monsanto uh, executives responded saying, funny you should use the word whack-a-mole. We've been using that term to describe the same thing for two years. So I am a mole that they whack. And one of the reasons they try and whack is because I pointed out, truthfully, that children are most at risk. Now, why is that? First of all, they have more allergies than young adults and adults. And GMOs can increase allergic reactions in many ways. Toxins are more dangerous to kids for many reasons, in part because they eat more, more food per body weight than we do. And they also use food differently. They use food to build their systems, not just for fuel. So nutritional deficiencies end up expressing themselves structurally. They also don't have a well-developed blood-brain barrier or microbiome. And all of those things could be negatively influenced. So yes, children are most at risk. And we say, make sure if you're planning to have children, if you're planning to have children, shift to organic before you conceive, long before you conceive, but at least two weeks, because that'll give the, the chances for a lot of these chemicals to leave the blood. And during the process of being pregnant, don't eat anything but organics, because some of the sprays that they use on non-organic food are known to cause birth defects, like Roundup's gl uh, glyphosate, and also Liberty Link is a GMO that produces, if you spray Liberty on that, that's related to brain deformities. You don't want to use GMOs or the chemicals when you're pregnant. 
In fact, there are many people who can't get pregnant these days. The infertility rates are through the roof. In a film that I created with Amy Hart, we went to a chiropractor's office where a lot of infertile couples come. And she puts all of the infertile couples on organic diets. And they all end up with children. All of them. The last time I spoke to her, 123 couples have kids. They were not able to have kids before she saw them. Zero failures. So, that not only is more dangerous for kids, but if you don't switch to organic, you may not be able to have the kids. Thank you for listening to Live Healthy, Be Well. Please subscribe to the podcast using whatever app you listen to podcasts with. Or go to livehealthybewell.com to subscribe. This podcast will inform you about health dangers, corporate and government corruption, and ways we can protect ourselves, our families, and our planet. I interview scientists, experts, authors, whistleblowers, and many people who have not shared their information with the world until now. Please share the podcast with your friends. It will enlighten and may even save lives. Safe eating.